0: Welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here with Seven Sister... Marilyn. And we have one of our friends with us today, Barb Varnell, who is a longtime friend, um, fellow homeschool mom, fellow um, leader in the local homeschool community for more than a decade. We'll leave it at that. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, hi, Barb. Hello. You have been with us before on the podcast when we were talking about gifted students. Yes. Yes. So thank you for making time to talk some more and encourage younger homeschool seventh sisters out there who uh, maybe have not been doing this for more than a decade. (laughs) (laughs) So today, we are talking about talking. We're talking about speech or rhetoric, public speaking. Forensics. Forensics. Lots of names for this. And the reason that we invited Barb to be on the podcast today is because she has been a force of nature in the whole let's get our teens able to do this public speaking thing because it is so important. And there are many families who don't even realize it's important and they're not doing anything about it. So let's let's talk for a minute first about what, what is this? Define these many words. Rhetoric, public speaking, speech, uh, forensics, how does it differ from debate, which people have also heard of? What's the deal?
1: Um, it's more about speaking than debate. Debate has a formal set of rules. Debate is you're tackling a subject. You have a pro and a con side. Um, and it's it's much more forman- formatted and rigorous and regimented. Okay. The speech, public speaking, on the other hand, is what you're going to do in life. If you get up and your pastor asks you to say a prayer in front of the congregation, if you have to lead a Bible study, if your children are going to college and they have to take any course in any major at any college, they are going to be doing this, doing some type of presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's more real life than okay. debate. Okay.
0: So... Um, Teens never shut up. At least a lot of them don't. So why do we really want to encourage them to speak?
1: <laughs> because as soon as they stand up in front of a sea of faces, they suddenly shut up.
2: Isn't it funny how that can work? <laughs> Works for adults too. This
1: yes, is
0: true. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Okay. So, so your what's your personal history with our local community? Share a little bit of how you dragged a bunch of teenagers kicking and screaming into the world of public speaking. And they lived to tell and even <laughs> said it was fun, many of them.
1: Yes. Well, actually, Vicki was the one who started it in our local community. And I had gotten involved in it because I wanted my oldest daughter to get involved with it, who dragged her middle sister in because she wouldn't do it by herself. This is and, the good kind of peer pressure. Yes, it was. And it was in Marilyn's family room when we first started. <laughs>
2: And I remember her oldest daughter's first experience in public speaking. Yes. How, how was that? If you can imagine someone being as white as a sheet, she actually <laughs> was as white as a sheet. She looked like she was going to pass oh, out dear. or throw up or one of those fun things. But she survived. Aww. She did survive. And she routinely talks
1: before hundreds of people now. She still doesn't like it. And she's still an introvert. But she can do it. She is a college professor and as I s- and has actually been told, you have such a natural gift of speaking. Oh, you don't have to work wow. at it at all. And I laugh. Wow.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, it's funny. Let's just start right right with um, with that, that this is a fear for a lot of people. This is yes. a really common fear. And this can be a heavy-duty, life-impacting fear if you don't deal with it on some level, and better sooner rather than later. Because yes. whether you go to college or not, you're going to have to interview for a job. So if you're ever going to work for anyone, if you're ever going to um, pitch an idea to your, your local civic association or to to a group at your church, you have to be able to articulate what your ideas are and not vomit in the process. And um, it's a really big fear for a lot
1: of people. So Yes. And the Bible says we're supposed to be ready to give an answer. Right. And ready to give an answer doesn't mean that we know it up in our head. It means that we actually like get from the head out the mouth. And
0: communicate it. Yeah. Very good. So the first thing, we're, we're joking a lot about people being white as sheets <laughs> and falling out in Marilyn's living room and whatever. But... <laughs> I guess one of the things that I'm sure you've seen over the years is teens need you to make them do it. They also mm-hmm. need you to love them through the process because some of them are truly petrified.
1: Yes, they are. And those are the ones who I actually like to work with the most because to see someone going from truly petrified to, again, I I don't care whether they ever like it, but they can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what gives me uh, a I mean, I like working with people who are naturally talented, but it's a lot more fun for me to work with people who would not think about doing it and now will do it when they have to.
0: Excellent. Okay. So can you give us some how-to practical steps? What if somebody is listening and they are thinking, wow, you know what? This is important. And I don't know that there is a group locally. So I'm going to talk to other moms in my local co-op and see if we can do something with rhetoric for the coming school year. So how do you get it? from that idea into something practical?
1: OK. Uh, first of all, I would say if you're going to start, you need to sp- start small and realize that some of your teen's biggest fears may actually be speaking in front of their family. So Ooh. this is probably not a good thing for having everybody from third through you know, 12th grade in one group. Okay. Uh, in our, in the rhetoric team that I run, we will not take anybody lower than 8th graders, and I will only take an 8th grader if they are comfortable. Because okay. what you end up with is middle schoolers being afraid of the high schoolers, and it just feeding into the fear. Okay. So while homeschooling is not, again, grade dependent a lot, you do have to think about that ahead of time, especially if you're dealing with kids who are who are scared. So it's
0: a maturity issue more than it is um, that this is a high school thing academically. It's that when you get different maturity levels in a, in the same room, it may not be a conducive yes. atmosphere. Okay. Uh,
1: the other thing, too, is you need to decide what your purpose is. And there's different purposes, and they're all good. If you have kids that are naturally talented in it, you can start... Something, there's a Christian Forensics League, for example, that runs in uh, in our area. Uh, they meet on a weekly basis for about two to three hours every week, wow. and they compete. It's like a sp- being on a sports team. Think okay. about it being, that's what I did in high school. And I loved it, and I enjoyed it. But the bulk of my kids that I have would not be able to do something that intense. Or two, don't want to devote that much time okay. to speaking. Um, it's just, again, kind of what we talked about in my last podcast. You need to see what your kids are going into, what they're interested in, and, you know, hone in those talents. Um, So there's not
0: one right way to provide public speaking opportunities for your teenagers. (laughs) No, there isn't.
1: Uh, the only wrong thing is not to do it. Okay. Um,
0: what do you think is the minimum amount of time that you need to commit to it for it to work? Like I know when I've done drama stuff, I won't I won't do something where we're not going to meet at least weekly because it just doesn't work well. And so maybe we're only going to meet weekly for eight weeks if it's a shorter production. But you put two weeks in between rehearsals and they have forgotten everything. So you're talking about there's there's an intense format that's every week for right. several hours. How loose can you go before it starts to not work very well?
1: Uh, I do a monthly meeting. So and month, basically okay. what my whole purpose is in the monthly meeting is I do a little bit of teaching, but the bulk of, and we meet for an hour and a half, the bulk of the hour and a half is they get up and they do activities, and the activities are crazy, and I specifically do that because if you're laughing at such stupid activities, you lose the fear about somebody Um. laughing at you. Very good. So you get to
0: laugh together instead of at each other. Yes, and I don't
1: care if they're like, "Oh, this is another one of Mrs. Ranelle's stupid activities." That's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> um, the other thing that I start doing is in the beginning of the year we do these things in groups. So one of my first activities, for example, is they get in groups. And if you're starting, um, you know, you just randomly assign groups. If uh, this is obviously an ongoing thing, I take my peop- my couple of my kids who have been with me all the time. I make them group leaders, and they get kids together, so we do an impromptu what I call Reader's Theater with silly nursery rhymes. Oh. So I will print out nursery rhymes so they don't have to even remember about, you know, remembering Jack and Jill or Humpty Dumpty, and they have five minutes to figure out something that they're going to present. And it might be each of them only saying one line and that's fine, and when they're all done they, you know, I say, congratulations, you have now spoken in public, and you (laughs) survived. And it's because it's in a group, and because it's something really silly and stupid, and I let them have free reign. They can do all sorts of silly stuff, and my older kids know what I'm talking about, so, because they've seen, you know, people before them, and they will, you know, they come up with some pretty creative things. As I said, my, um, there's a couple of rules that I have. If you are here, you have to do the activities. There's no ifs, ands or buts. If you're too sick to do the activities, you're too sick to be here and we don't want okay. you. Um, and I have had some kids come in and say, I won't do them, and I'm like, Well, you're gonna have to come back when you're ready to because there's absolutely you know, it's no not choice. A spectator this, sport. No, this is not a spectator okay. sport. Everybody has to do it or you end up, you know, having people, I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna do that, and then it just mm-hmm. you know, doesn't work. Um, everybody has to Smile and nod encouragingly when somebody is up in front of them. I, okay, so you're teaching audience skills as well. Yes. Okay. Cool. And they can't make any comments even to their friends. Because I ran into early on, uh, there was a group of kids and they were just best friends and I knew that and most everybody in the room knew that except the one newbie who when they were making comments to each other thought that they were going to make comments to her and nearly pulled out oh. and I just it, it wasn't something that was on my radar so no. I tell that story every time and I say look you know you may think that everybody knows but some people are really petrified about it right. so as I said I have very few rules but the smile and nod encouragingly is one of them and not speak when somebody is, is up speaking. So there's basic character development woven into. Yes. Yeah, yes, good. it is. And okay. I think everybody knows this because I think they realize that people, you know, some of these kids are truly frightened. I mean, kids can tell who's t- who, tr- who are truly frightened.
0: So if you get something off the ground um, with silly nursery rhymes and a few local families and you're just kind of giving it a shot, what are some of the traditionally recognized or respected um, types of material that at some point in high school, it would be good if you've had some experience with.
1: Right, well, I usually start out with somebody else's words. So, for example, when we, uh, we're we working toward them being prepared to say their own words, but that's at the end of the year. Okay. So I will have them do things, again, starting with silly nursery rhymes, but we will have them do things like do Bible reading. So I'll have them okay. do, you know, print out some so- copies of psalms, and I will have them, you know, read a psalm. I will have them... Um, take, uh, do some tongue twisters from famous literature. And some of the older literature has some interesting pauses. uh, And again, using literature reading to do that. Now, one of the things, I have two components in the rhetoric team. Uh, One is the monthly meetings. So you can be part of the rhetoric team and you can just come to the monthly meetings. And the second part is there are four competitions a year that I offer. You do not have to do the competitions, but they're the only time that you will actually get personalized feedback. I get some judges in, and we actually do uh, give them – we have a rubric, we have a judging sheet, and we give them written feedback. The first competition is literature reading. Okay. So they can – uh, perform a poem. They can perform uh, again excerpts from things historical speeches. The second competition uh, has an act. They can do an acting piece, or okay. they can do a uh, original speech that they've made. Okay. The third competition, which is my internal, which is an internal competition, and th- what I mean by internal is it's only our group. Okay. So you're um, not going up against other. Schools not not or for whatever. three of them. Okay. The four of the the fourth one we are um, is. A vi- what I call a visual aid presentation, which is basically college 101. Okay, you're putting together a speech on something that you know about and giving a five-minute presentation. We do have an outside competition for my particularly because I happen to run the ACSI Mid Atlantic Junior High Senior High uh, Speech Meet uh, in Lancaster, and I take my so group. a bunch uh, of schools come together and bring yes. their kids. Okay. Yes. So they do have, and and the nice thing about it is get it gets competitions and awards on their transcript, which is an important thing for especially for right. college-bound students. Right. Excellent.
0: Okay, um, Marilyn. What are some memories that you have of your because your kids all did various most, versions of yeah most of and my
2: children did um, they did rhetoric. It was also debate, so there were debates involved as well. Now, my second oldest son went on to get a Bible degree, so speaking in public was something very important for him because he had to speak in public, you know, with sermons (laughs) um, in college, so that was important. Um, I think three of them actually did it. One went on you know he's a salesman, so he has to speak in front of people, and all of them have felt that they learned from doing it. They learned lost some of their fear. Yeah. Now um, the one really enjoyed the debate portion of it as well because he likes that kind of logic and f- quick thinking. Um, but not all of them did the debate portion. And I we had had a debate portion for a number of years,
1: but I found it harder and harder to get uh, enough kids together to do the debate. And it really is a totally different set of teaching, and I almost had to start meeting with them separately because it's so formalized and so rigorous. And I felt, what was my purpose? And truly my purpose was that they would get out and be able to speak in public. So the debate portion of it, I felt like if if they were really interested in it, you know, there were other resources that they right. had in this area, right. and I didn't have to do it. Uh, debate tends to be only for students who really are comfortable with it because it is... that can be truly frightening, even for students who are comfortable speaking.
2: It's Mm -hmm. not just the speaking, because you're thinking Thinking. on your feet and coming up with arguments, and that is a whole other skill.
1: And the other thing, too, is it requires you to really intensely study a particular issue for a fairly decent period of time. So you're adding that on top of what else is going on. Uh, So if you were going to do a debate team, it really... you. I would suggest you really think about it as a totally separate class rather than as part of public speaking.
0: Okay, so while we're doing some compare and contrast things here, my kids only briefly did two of them, I think, do rhetoric. Um, They did a lot of drama and acting stuff,
1: but that's different. So yes, in fact, some some of the kids who are the most fearful are my actors.
0: So why, why is, I mean, if they can stand
1: up in front of people, they can stand up in front of people, right? Except that when they stand up in people and act, they're not being themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're not being mm-hmm. judged on being themselves. When they're standing up and giving a speech on World War II, it's not a character. It's right. them. Do they know right. the material? To, you know. So that's
0: a really good point. If you have a kid who's involved in dramatic arts, that is not necessarily preparing them for... Um, college presentations or job interviews because no. it is different. And that was something that um, I was fortunate to have people like you and Vicki in my life. As my kids got closer to graduation, we sort of realized, oh, you know, we want to be very <laughs> sure that this is getting developed too because this is a very concrete life skill. Um, so we talked a lot about benefits in general. Um, what are some of the avenues you can follow to get resources to get your hands on. Obviously, you everyone has a Bible, I really hope. So you can do a Bible <laughs> reading. Everyone has literature on their shelf. So hopefully you can do a literature reading. Um, but we have people who want, here, hold my hand, tell me what to do on week one for one hour with <laughs> 10 kids, you know, uh, are there
1: things that you have used that you like? Um, I pretty much made up my own stuff. Now, part of that was dovetailing on what Vicki did, and I know she has a lot of her stuff that she did with the rhetoric team in one of the Seven Sisters resources. Right, yeah, we have speech one at sevensistershomeschool.com if
0: you're looking for something that's kind of a oh, okay, I think I could start here and build something. But you you can make stuff up as you go along.
1: Oh, yes, I routinely make stuff up as I go along. Sometimes we make it up right there as we go along because there's a wonderful activity, or I think it's a wonderful activity, and I realize this is bombing. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and again, I keep it light and silly. One of the things and it's the kid's favorite activity is we end up, um, taking the junior version of apples to apples, okay. and I use it as impromptu. I give them the little green card that has the category in it, and then I give them three cards that, you know, if you have cute, and then I give them three cards, and it may say dragon, seaweed, and, I don't know, sneakers. And they have to pick one of the three cards and go up and tell why sneakers are cute. Okay. And they have to do three sentences. Okay. And a sentence includes a you know verb and subject and a predicate. Yes. A, a complete sentence. sentence yes. Boys and
0: girls, yeah. So and
1: again, that's really silly, but they enjoy that because what they're doing is impromptu speaking, but it's silly impromptu speaking, and they don't even realize so it's it. It safe. Silly makes it safe. Safe. Yeah. Uh, what another favorite activity is literally to get them used to actually talking impromptu longer is I flash up <laughs> vacation pictures that I've taken on the projector, okay. and they have to describe the picture for a whole minute. Wow, and I would never have thought of that, that's <laughs> great. It, <laughs> it gives them something to focus on, Right. and it, uh, but it gives them the idea of how long a minute is, because that mm-hmm. whole idea about how long that that time is, is going to be an important skill that they need to, right. to learn. But again, it's silly because I I and I pick out kind of strange vacation pictures right, right. So that have
0: something challenging to look at while you're
1: yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so a lot of things I I've again focused on the silly and it may sound like well, you know, I want my child to do something rigorous and so but they can build toward it. They yes. But. And and really the rigorous is the competitions. Okay. The silly is let's get them comfortable speaking in front of, you know, 20, 30 people and realize they haven't died. Right. And they haven't thrown up and they haven't keeled over. And I have yet to have one die, throw up, or keel over. (laughs) so And I tell them that. Uh,
0: (laughs) And Marilyn's thankful that it never happened while it was still meeting in her living room. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Because back then I had carpet in there, (laughs) so that would not have been good. And, I mean, looking back... I don't think there's any college student that doesn't have to take a communications course no. when they get there, um, and we prepare our kids for all of those other academic courses that they're going to take. But even back in my day, we had to do a communications course. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and and the other thing is, don't discount the amount that colleges value having that on the transcript because. There are not a lot of schools that actually offer a speech component as a separate class. Okay. So having a rhetoric team or a speech class on your transcript actually looks really, really good. Most schools will roll that into language arts, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't show up. And especially if you're going into any STEM field, um, having that heads up as, hey, this is a person who can actually talk and know what they're doing okay. at the same time. Especially in engineering. Engineers are known for not no communication skills. Right. <laughs> and so Says. if you were going...
0: <laughs> A STEM person here. Yes.
1: But that's, it, it's important for them, and it does really make it the transcript sparkle.
2: Excellent. It also can help once they're in college if they're able to speak in front of people. It draws attention to them, mm-hmm. could bring scholarship opportunities, um, I know Barb's oldest daughter got all kinds of recognition because she could speak despite the fact that she almost died the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you're not
0: convinced now that it's important, I don't know what else we could do because clearly all three of us are um, are looking at at what our kids did and realizing that there was a lot of benefit to it and that it it is a straight-up practical life skill that actually is supposed to be a part of the language arts credit. And there are a zillion blog posts at Seven Sisters, and I think we even have a a video talking about what all goes into the language arts credit, because it's a huge credit. And part of it should be public speaking. And um, there's really not room for it unless you decide that there is going to be. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to carve out some dedicated time and space in your high school years to do this. And there's really not a downside to it. There just isn't. It is not an expensive thing. You don't have to buy some big complicated something to teach you how to do this. Like you're saying, you can make a lot of this stuff up as you go along, pulling from just normal, real-life resources, like works of literature and nursery rhymes and Bible passages mm-hmm. and current events. Um,
2: children's, and literature. Children's, yes, literature, children's literature. Yes, children's literature.
0: Right. Is a... But you can also find um, practical sort of starting I- ideas of maybe maybe what would once a month look like over the course of an academic year if I was going to try this for the first time. And if you want something that's sort of mapped out with some ideas like that, hop over to 7SistersHomeschool.com in the bookstore and take a look at Speech One and see if those um, ideas stir something in you. Most important thing, like you said, is do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Don't let your kids graduate from high school without having mastered some basic public speaking skills. It will serve them everywhere they go. Yes. So Barb, thank you very much for the time that you spent with us podcasting today, but also for the many kids in our local community and in our own families that have been blessed by having that chance.
1: Uh, Well, thank you for having me. All right.
0: And so until next time, thank you for joining us here on the Homeschool High School podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.